everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring The Crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Hey, welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. I'm John Wellborn, your host, joined by Mr. McQuilkin over here. Howdy. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you as well. Uh, it's not like I don't see you every day. I know. It's so weird. But uh, on this podcast, it... Mm-hmm. Well, they see us, I guess, bi-weekly. I like it. Two episodes a week. Power Athlete Radio. If you want... What, what were you going to say? Power I don't Athlete? Know. I'm trying to work some ad in here. It's like if you want to subscribe to new episodes... Ah, if you want to get new ads. Well, we, we also have a newsletter you can sign up for. So if you go to powerathlete.com, you can scroll... Forward slash. Forward slash. Newsletter. Newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can get a ton of updates, not only on this podcast with on training, but also with all of our dope merch, all the stuff that's happened at shop.powerathletehq.com. And you get pinged the hotline. Mm. John, for our new listeners. <sighs> Did you guys know that we have this little thing called the Power Athlete Hotline? 929-464-464-0. 929-ing-ing-0. Yep. That's the number for our hotline. And if you have a question... That involves training within any of the programs from Hammer to Jack Street to Field Strong to Grindstone to Bedrock, Johnny Wad, and some Johnny Bod. Anything you got, Bedrock, however it goes, shoot them over the questions. If you have questions about nutrition, we can also answer those. We can also bring on our nutrition ninjas to kind of hammer that stuff out. But realistically, anything that you have a question on, it could be about old shitty trucks. It could be about uh, guns, hunting, uh, land clearing, welding. And really just uh, Operation Mockingbird. Operation Mockingbird, if you guys are really into the tinfoil hat stuff, even though that's not tinfoil hat because Operation Mockingbird really happened. Do you, do you know about Operation Mockingbird? Plenty. Good news, John. We're also on WhatsApp. So internationally, where we were previously only taking calls locally, now we're thinking globally. What's that WhatsApp number? Is it the same, same. number? Oh. Wow, look at that. So if you're within... Uh, the con or I guess the reach of this voice globally, you can hit up that 929-464-464-0 number and you can hit us on WhatsApp. I think we also take, you can also text to it as well too. Very much more texters than callers these days, but we got a hot caller today. How, how hot? Well, he's talking about speed, hot, (laughs) nasty, badass speed. Eleanor Roosevelt said that, didn't she? Yes. Yes. And, uh, are we ready to hit that call, Charles? Hey, Power Athlete Nation. I need to take a few moments to thank our sponsor, Power Athlete Training Systems, for providing the best training programs on the universe, in the universe, in the metaverse. I mean, really, if this is the Matrix, and I'm pretty sure we're stuck in the Matrix, Neo and Morpheus are uploading Power Athlete Training Systems. I'm pretty sure they're doing field strong. What do you think, McQuilkin? Oh, I agree. They are on a specific training program for what they need. And to find out what you need, listeners, head to PowerAthleteHQ.com forward slash training and take our little survey to find the perfect training program for you. So we have developed training programs specific for an archetype. You want to get jacked, we got Jack Street. If you're looking to foster and develop athleticism, we got Field Strong. If you're looking to kick the door off of hinges and smash things and cut up and just be a fucking badass, we got Hammer. If you're first experience in terms of lifting weights and getting used to a barbell using a basic linear progression with bedrock that's the right one for you 
And if you have a few miles underneath your belt, maybe a few kids, Fortune 500 CEO, or maybe life's getting a little in the way, I want you to check out Grindstone. And if your job and your desire is to fucking wad your face off, I want you to go check out Johnny Wad. And if you want to stack on a little Johnny bot on that and hit a little bodybuilding accessory, we got that too. So what we've done is we've created this amazing catalog of services, these training programs designed for archetypes, and every one of them fits a specific user. And you know what? If you want to find that user, go on. I want you to take the survey, and then I want you to click on and take our seven-day free trial and see which one is right for you. Best-in-class training. And for less than a dollar a day, you mm. get it delivered straight to the mobile app Train Heroic. Mm-hmm. And if you want to sign up for our newsletter, you can go to powerathletehq.com forward slash or backslash forward slash forward slash newsletter. I want you to go to that, sign up for the newsletter where you can get more information, not only on training programs, get uh, discounts on shop on the merch, and really just know what's going on within Power Athlete with the Academy and some of our other initiatives. And the latest episodes of Power Athlete Radio. Which is really the most important thing. Power Athlete Radio the premier podcast in strength and conditioning and your resource for the best information on training, nutrition, cars, maybe some movies, banter and banter. I mean, we've been on other fitness podcasts and when it comes to banter, we can fucking out banter anybody. Yes. And if you're a big fan of power athlete radio, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hit us with a five-star review that we will read. If you leave us an amazing five-star review, we will read it on air. And believe me, I love reading the reviews, uh, especially the five-star ones, because it lets us know we're doing a good job. And we got some very creative listeners out there. We do. I mean, uh, that's why there are people. Yes. Throw your hat into the ring. Again, head to powerathletehq.com forward slash training for all your training needs. Take a little survey. Find out what you're training for. Seven-day free trial on that program. And training for less than $1. Thanks for Power Athlete Radio for sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, Chris Luke calling in from Colorado. Um, I got a question for you that I actually exchanged some texts with texts on this and he gave me some good advice, but I thought it would be a good question for the hotline. So here it goes. For a washed up former athlete, um, how would you guys recommend getting back into doing some sprint work? So a little bit of context, um, former D2 football player where we had a pretty legit strength and conditioning system. Um, we did a lot of speed work, a lot of 10s, 20s, 40s, banded sprints, prowler sprints, uh, all that good stuff. However, I probably haven't sprinted, like truly sprinted, I'd say, in the last three to five years. Um where I've been mostly focusing on bodybuilding type lifting. Um, I follow Jack Street. So I was hoping you guys could get into a recommendation for, one, how do you get back into doing sprint work after a long hiatus off? Um, And then, two, what the benefits of doing some sprint work are for someone who's just, for the most part, trying to look jacked. Um, And then I guess on top of that, for someone potentially running Jack Street, how you would recommend incorporating sprint work into that program, um, like how often, you know, once a week, twice a week, once every other week, whatever. And then if you would recommend doing it on a certain day that you're lifting or on a day that you're not necessarily doing heavy lifting. 
anyways, um, thanks for all the great content you guys put out and all the help that <clears throat> you've given me personally. So um, thanks, guys. Hope to hear you talk about it. Bye. All right. A lot well, of questions within the question. Yeah, Chris, Luke, two first names. I know. I can't trust him. Can't trust him. Never trust anybody with two first names. No. Well, and Andy also said he was texting texts. Yeah. I don't think you can use the word text text. Well, clearly my advice and guidance wasn't enough. He's like, I got to tap in, John. I don't trust uh, this guy. I gotta get he's, got a, he's got a last name. Ah, man, there's a lot to unpack to quote our friend Rob Wolf. Yes. Um, Let's, I uh, took some notes here. Let's begin with the benefits. Okay. So, so generally. Generally, uh, people that sprint carry more muscle than people that don't. It takes a, a ton of strength and, and actually muscle to be able to absorb force and be able to generate force uh, more so than people that sprint. I mean, it's pretty universal. The people that sprint are definitely carrying more muscle than people that don't. Now, not to say that, you know, bodybuilders sprint because most of them don't because they would implode. But for most average people that are not doing bodybuilding, sprinting is an extremely uh, metabolically demanding thing. It also requires a ton of strength, especially with eccentric load slowing down. And I think the biggest thing when people, you know, ask these questions like, hey, I haven't sprinted in a while. I want to get back into sprinting. How should I do it? My first thing is carefully. Uh, you have a huge potential just because it's such a ballistic type movement that you have a big potential for getting injured. So mm -hmm. my recommendation is starting slowly one day a week. Um, and we usually we start them with uh, some form of uphill running. So it's very difficult to run uphill poorly. And I think a big issue where people get hurt is they're not in shape to sprint. Uh, being in shape and being in shape to sprint are two different things. So you have to be able to take your time, uh, get those tissues readied. I don't know what he's, you know, what he say he was coming off of uh, what training program? Jack Street. So we don't do a, any real ballistic jumping. So there's not very many, you know, lower body plyos. I mean, there's a, a decent amount of upper body plyos. We'll do some med ball work for the trunk. You know, a little bit of uh, debt push-ups and dynamic push-ups. But for the most part, we don't really do any jumping in Jack Street just because that's not the program for it. We get a ton more plyo within field strong. I think if really you wanted to go back into something that looked like sprinting, I would transition into field strong and, you know, go through all the prep stuff. I mean, we do so much work within uh, not only prepping the tissues, but prepping the different, um, you know, uh, eccentric, concentric, and isometric different uh, um what is it? Uh, muscle contractions. So we help people get ready to sprint by prepping them not only within the training with the barbell, but also with plyos and a bunch of, uh, you know, stuff within, you know, dynamic warm up, movement prep. I mean, we put a ton of stuff in that because that's a more athletically based program. Yeah. And Feel Strong is reverse engineered, focusing on developing that athleticism. Yep. Knowing Chris, he's a new father and he's focused on being dad jacked. Mm -hmm. There's also a solution for him. In speed kills mm. so a bolt-on strength uh, speed program that really focuses on preparation and the skill of sprinting through drills mm -hmm. uh, i think for bolting on speed kills with jack street the problem is you can't serve two masters if you want to get better at sprinting you're gonna to have to cut some of the volume and um you know probably what i would end up doing is being like okay hey if it's uh you know kind of body part you know, like uh, if we got an upper and a lower day, I would probably end up kind of moving some of the other lower days. Like, hey, you're one, you want big primary day, let's say a Monday. And then the next lower day, I would kind of pull some stuff out and kind of substitute in the sprinting. Just because I don't think with the with the volume and the uh, the frequency of which the lifts are kind of going within Jack Street, 
I just don't know. One, I don't know if he has the time, but two, I don't know if he could serve two masters. So you'd almost have to kind of reduce some of the load, some of the volume out of Jack Street and then substitute in some of the sprinting. But my big deal too would be like go through the warm up, take your time, make sure you're good and ready and really monitor how many sprints you're doing. Let's say you're going to go out there and run 60s, you know, maybe set it between four to seven 60s. And then as your conditioning increases and you start feeling better and your sprint technique is where people really get hurt is when all of a sudden the sprint technique goes to shit when they get tired and we always see the horizon change. And next thing you know, people start reaching and you, know, you run into some real issues. So I would also try to find uh, a softer surface. Like I would definitely have them uh, run on grass or some form of like not hard pack. Like don't go out and sprint on the concrete or on uh, blacktop to begin with. Mm-hmm. And the guidance I gave him through text message, it was focusing on almost the de ground up. Within Jack Street, we don't get a lot of opportunity to attack the foot, which is a big portion of field strong. So starting with the foot into the ankle complex, complex. I know there's a lot of calf raises within we do, the Jack Street. Uh, we, we do some active foot stuff, and we do do a ton of calf raises. But I think the uh, the stress and the way that we're using it in field strong is a little bit different. We'll do a little bit in hammer because there is obviously – you know, a bigger running component in hammer, but it's a little bit more distance. I mean, we have a sprint. And um, hammer is written specifically for the the door kicker, the LEO fire military athlete. That yeah, but uh, has to run. Yeah, we have had a lot of guys who don't fit in the demographics that we originally designed it following hammer because they want to do something a little bit, um, you know, more run induced. But the biggest issue, and this is something that we go back over and over again, you don't have to go out and run 90 miles a week mm-hmm. to be able to go out and sprint and do what we need you to do. So realistically, when you do that and you try to, you know, push your mileage so high, you end up just getting slaughtered on the backside with the strength stuff. So trying to develop a strength conditioning program that both allows somebody to be able to run and be in good shape and then also get strong becomes a kind of an economy of time program. Now, I want to do focus on the difference between running fast and sprinting. Mm. So Chris is just getting back into this. I believe he doesn't want to get hurt and do this intelligently. So is there a swing from doing nothing to getting into running fast until I'm ready to sprint? Um, man, like when you like, um, I'll just give you an example from, uh, you know, from the car world where things start breaking is when you have shock load. So, um, you know, like for example, if you're going to go tow a car and you slowly pull out the chain and you get it nice and taut and then you accelerate it, you can pull anything, you can pull a semi. The problem is, let's say that the, the chain is slack and you just gun it and you go off and then you have this dynamic shock load. That's where things break. Um, we see this all the time where, you know, like uh, um, some dudes, you know, trying to do neutral drops in third gear and, uh, you know, thousand horsepower motor. And all of a sudden he lets the clutch out and smashes it and tries to go from, you know, standstill to max acceleration. Those type of shock loads is really where people is where cars explode and things explode. And I think the same analogy holds true in terms of sprinting, where it takes a decent amount of conditioning and strength and preparation to be able to go out and sprint and be efficient with it. You have to build that GPP. You have to have that base level of conditioning. And it's conditioning specific to sprinting. Uh, We had the opportunity to teach hundreds of seminars around the globe with CrossFitters uh, through CrossFit football. Everybody that showed up to that, I would say 99% of the people were extremely fit by CrossFit definitions, they could thruster, they could do everything. I mean, they were pretty regular within the CrossFit community and what we would be deemed as fit. The minute that we put them into anything that looked like ballistic running, people shattered and fell apart. And the reason being, it wasn't that they 
weren't fit. The problem was their definition of what they were fit for was a little skewed. They weren't fit enough to sprint. And being in sprint shape is something you specifically have to go out and train for by sprinting. There's no amount of, of uh, you know, barbell work and, and, you know, everything that you do in the gym. There's no amount of kind of fitness bodybuilding stuff or, you know, let's say CrossFit that you can do that's going to prepare you to go out and sprint and to be able to have that form of, you know, max intensity where you put your foot in your ground and going 100 miles an hour. So I think with it, uh, I would say start slow, be conservative. And I would kind of look at intensities like, you know, when you go out, I like to go 65, 75% intensity and I've ratcheted up the intensity as I start developing more capacity to be able to go out and sprint. So how would you define intensity? Relative, maximal, emotional? Well, intensity <laughs> is a percentage of one RM, right? It's, it's not an emotional response. I mean, it's a, it's a mathematical equation. That's it. So if I know that, uh, you know, and I, I would never recommend somebody to go out and sprint, let's say hundred meters as fast as they can. But I think everybody who's, you know, and Chris, uh, you know, having been an athlete, he knows, you know, like, Hey, I'm running as fast as I can. And he, he should know what that is. I mean, I can go out and run right now and I know what, you know, 75% three quarter speed is. And I know when I push it up, you can start kind of getting into this. Uh, and that just comes from having sprinted a lot. My biggest deal, and I think what happens, and that's why I like the uphill sprinting and the hill running, is you can run as hard as you want, and you're never going to be in a bad position to technically hurt yourself. And as the hill gets more steep, even though you might increase your intensity, you're not going as fast and you're not as in a bad position. Yeah, and reinforces some good mechanics without allowing you to go into the bad techniques. The guidance I also provided was splitting up and then we had to introduce the difference between acceleration and then sprint training. Mm-hmm. So getting him into uh, flying starts mm-hmm. that allowed him 10 yards to work up to full speed versus, like you said, yeah, that, shock that shock load. Yep. Pow out. And then just focus on, in a different day, acceleration. Yeah. So just the one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six to start and then we're minimalizing it. I can recover. It's not as intense. There's not as much that can go wrong versus tying right off the gun, hard start into my 40, my 60, my 80s, however long I'm sprinting. Then a lot more can go wrong at the acceleration. So almost thinking of both of these as two different skills within sprinting and then technique drills that allow us to focus on each and then get better at each and eventually just set up and set you free to sprint as fast as you can. Yeah. Um, and I also go back to, uh, I really believe that the plyometric movements and the jumping, uh, that's a huge component in terms of developing that base level conditioning to be able to go out and sprint. I mean, they go hand in hand, especially with, uh, you think about, you know, dorsiflexion and, uh, you know, just being able to get people into a mode to sprint. And I know in field strong, we've done it for years. As we get into these warmer months, the sprinting starts increasing, but we spend the whole off season prepping people for this. We just would never all of a sudden throw them out the door and be like, okay, I need you to go out and sprint, you know, six to seven max intensity, hundred meter sprints. And, uh, you know, we do that on hammer, but I'm very, very controlled in the distance. And I kind of look at the mileage and the volume and I kind of progress it in different ways and, uh, you know, tell people if they're new, you know, you might not know what max intensity is. Don't go out and hurt yourself. You know, and the issue becomes if we can go out and let's say you might don't might not have the best workout today, but as long as you get to tomorrow, it was successful. 
and then we can build, you know, I mean, I would take, you know, a hundred shitty workouts that were done with regularity to build into a better one than two or three amazing workouts that all of a sudden aren't repeatable. So, I mean, there was this analogy about moving dirt. It really comes down to, you know, the person that can consistently train with the most relative intensity is the person that meets their goals. You know, the people that infrequently train, and I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'm just sure like you are, you know, all of a sudden you put in a few good weeks and then all of a sudden a bunch of things, travel, whatnot, start happening. You start missing workouts and all of a sudden you're like, shit, now I got to get back to where I was, even if I had just gone in and done something just to kind of continue to stay, uh, you know, um, starve it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but my biggest issue comes down to, uh, don't let the previous athlete in your head, fuck up the old man in the mirror. That so, is a great one because so, I mean, especially Chris is, was a football player. Well, he's, I mean, I, I even heard it in his, uh, in his message. He's reliving some of his glory days of like, Hey, I played college football. You know, this is who I was when I was 18 to 22. Now all of a sudden here I am X amount of years later, I'm a father. And, uh, he's still, and I, I mean, I, I do this. I'm, I've told the, the joke that uh, we went out drinking with my dad and he had too many. And the next day I asked him how he felt. And he's like, ah, the 21 year old and me got the 74 uh, year old in trouble. And it's, it's a realistically a deal where, you know, in your mind, you don't feel the age. At least I don't. You go out there and still remember, hey, this is what I was able to do when I was 18, 22 years old. And, you know, you have to be smart and give yourself a chance to build that base level of capacity to be able to do that stuff. You just can't, you know, not sprint for three years and decide to go out and fucking hammer it out. I mean, that's how Achilles ruptures happen. That's how, um, you know, hamstring tears. I mean, there's a ton of injuries that could happen with this. Exactly why we need to prep the tissue uh-huh. to absorb and uh, reduce force. Yeah. In field strong, any of our field strongers out there, we disguise this as quote plyo conditioning. Yep. Essentially just focusing on tissue health. But if we're like tissue health and put two exercises together, you'd probably just fuck off. Well, it's yeah, it's uh, t- tissue quality. I mean, there's definitely a very real difference in, you know, if you, uh, you know, talk to anybody who does any form of like uh, soft, uh, soft tissue work, they can always, you know, work through and they know whether or not you're an athlete, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not you've been training, whether or not you're hydrated. And uh, I mean, having got massages and, and had people work on different stuff, like uh, uh, my buddy Tony comes and works on my shoulder every week. And, you know, I mean, he's a, a great indicator, you know, because I mean, when you work on people and you talk to them every day and you work on six or eight people a day, you start feeling the differences yeah. in tissue quality. Can can you speak to the experience of like, and I know I had a lot of hard work to try and relax when I really had Ruiz teaching me speed versus just go hard in sport, right? Sure. Where my hard work and fight would work against me when it came to speed. So now we had that conversation with a lot of CrossFitters who were entering into the speed and acceleration training that we introduced during the seminar where their go hard, their effort would work against them when it came to speed. So can you speak to how can you recommend an athlete start to relax into this, which then leads to them going faster, believe it or not? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, like tension is the enemy of speed. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, you watch people when all of a sudden, like, you know, they go out and they do their warm-ups. And I think uh, the reason we would do so much dynamic warm-up is to kind of like relax people and to kind of like get Chubbs into Peterson, this. Peterson, yeah. easing the tension, baby. Yeah. Like you got to get out there and you got to get used to it. And then, you know, we see this all the time. Uh, you know, the minute somebody pulls out a watch or I want you to sprint fast, all of a sudden people tense up and you see the shoulders go up and the butt gets tight. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. and everybody, you know, because everybody's competitive and they somehow think that, you know, uh, that, you know, tensing up is somehow going to enable them and it's not. And that's why with uh, the sprint stuff we would do by the time we would, and I'm just thinking back, like, you know, uh, training with Ruiz, we had done so much warm up. Like it was like, Hey, you know, today we're going to go out and run six or seven, you know, eighties or sixties or eighties, which was one of his favorites. But the dynamic warm up to get there took us about 45 minutes to an hour. So we were already pretty well smoked by the time we went to go do the sprints. And I remember asking him like, wouldn't this be easier if we were fresher? And he goes, yeah, but the chance of you hurting yourself is greater. And I need you to make sure you're nice and relaxed. And if you're a little bit tired, you're usually a little bit more relaxed early on. You're a little too go hard. So I got to like take it out of you guys a little bit so that nobody goes out and does anything stupid because the goal is to get to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was pretty smart, but, um, you know, definitely the age old, you know, smooth is fast, fastest. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, well, depending on who we're asking, but it could be steady is smooth or smooth is steady. No, what, fuck. I can't believe we're screwing this up. I don't want to say slow. No. Um, slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. Yep. Slow steady is, is that's smooth. That's what it is. Yeah. Because, yeah, slow, I mean, but slow is a dirty word. No, but like the idea of like, uh, um, you know, effortless, you know, and, and that goes back to Rothsteel where it was always like seamless and effortless. I mean, we use it in the definition of athleticism, but that, you know, if you look like you're working hard and you can see people all of a sudden they tense up in their face and this, and all of a sudden they start fighting against their body. Now, all of a sudden that's the enemy of speed. So uh-huh. you, you got to be nice and smooth and silky. Yeah. And stride frequency and stri- stride frequency increases, stride length well, decreases. Yeah. I mean, when people get really wound up, all of a sudden they, they get tense. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, I mean, I, well, one of my favorites was uh, we were actually at Old Cross at Balboa and uh, Eric <laughs> Jensen uh, and my brother Eddie were racing. Or I'm sorry, we were running, I think, like 40s or something for the workout. And Jensen, who was a pretty good runner, takes off. Uh, like, um, you know, I said, set, go. And he went on set and jumps out there. My brother, Eddie, all of a sudden goes to chase him. And as soon as I saw him take three steps, I was started screaming, no, 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 no. Cause what happened? All of a sudden as he came out, I saw his hands clench. And the first thing he did was he lifted his head, horizon change, and he started reaching and on like the fourth step, all of a sudden popped his hamstring. And I was like, what do you, you know? And it's that age old, like you know, competition, I'm going to go out and I really got to put a ton of effort, not realizing that if you go out and just try to be silky smooth. Two, two, two questions for you. Can you explain reaching for people that are yeah. uninitiated and why the hills is so important for preventing this? So uh, for any of you guys listening, every time you sprint, your knees are over your toes. So don't believe the Instagram hype that nobody trains with their knees over your toes. And don't go out. I mean, there's a a guy that was on Joe Rogan. I think his whole Instagram is called knees over toes, where he's trying to teach people to get their knees over your toes. If you watch any good sprinter, your knee is always over your toes. So what happens all too often, as you bring your foot up, the foot comes down and stays behind the knee. So as you come down, it can be even a little, you know, let's say in line. But as you, what happens though, is as you sprint, people start reaching their foot and then they get in this position of pulling and Basically, the foot gets outside in front of the knee, and then they have to pull back, and the body's not designed to do that. That's how you end up pulling hamstrings. Yeah, and the foot is landing in front of the hips or, versus yeah. aiming right or around, yeah. right underneath. Yeah, I mean, if we 
we could draw it up. I mean, uh, Dr. Romanoff did always did a great job with the pose stuff of showing these different positions. Uh, you know, we just kind of differed a little bit on arm swing and the idea of being able to kind of put your foot in the ground violently. But he was always real good on like, you know, this is the position. The knee has to be over the toe. When you put your foot in the ground, you have to be able to cycle that through. When all of a sudden now you start seeing the head come back up and all of a sudden the chest starts rising and people start reaching and pulling, that's all of a sudden we start seeing injury happen. Yeah. So if you film yourself and you see you lifting your chin up like some shitty well, pull-ups. Well, that's what we call horizon change. So when you watch somebody run, Which, they like when, when you see them come out in the sprint, they get a good forward lean and their head is down. All of a sudden, as they start sprinting, you'll see them go from this position and all of a sudden their hips will come through, their chest will rise and their head will lift and you'll see literally a changing in the horizon. And usually when you see that chest come up, horizon change, that's when people start reaching and pulling. Uh-huh. So aiming, maintain neutral, uh, tall. That's why running uphill is so beneficial because to run uphill, you have to keep your chest down, your chest over your knees and drive and use big arm swing. And it actually allows for us to keep a proper position. That's why I like a lot of uphill running for, uh, uh, you know, to build that base level condition, you need to go sprint. It also teaches and doesn't, and it reinforces good running mechanics. Mm -hmm. Final question for you. This is in line with intensity sprints. And we've emphasized that this is the skill of sprinting. And the only way to get faster is to run, run fast. fast. In order to run fast, though, we need to recover fully between our efforts. Sure. What does it mean to full max recovery before I go to my next rep? Well, I mean, so the recovery period is going to depend on your aerobic system, how aerobically conditioned you are. Uh, you know, the, the, the more uh, you know, conditioned aerobic system, the faster you're going to recover. Uh, when we would go out and run at University of Tampa, there was a bunch of Olympic runners out there. Um, I mean, they'd spent, like I said, like an hour on their warmups. It, they were resting anywhere from seven to 15 minutes between max effort attempts. Now, that doesn't mean they were sitting down smoking cigarettes. They were moving, walking around the track, staying warm, you know, working on dynamic movement prep and, you know, hurdle hops and just, you know, continually to move, uh, not cooling down. And then when they had reached full recovery, they went out and they were able to sprint. Now, the way that they knew they were fully recovered was they sprinted once. They did the, uh, you know, whatever their recovery protocol was. Then they went out and ran and they knew that they had to run within 92% of that, of that fastest time. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't, then they had to rest longer. If they couldn't, you know, maintain the speed that they needed, they either cut the day or they had to get back in the gym and continue to build a bigger aerobic system. Yeah, and if you're getting back into this, you're probably not going to be reaching. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it like the aerobic system is pretty fascinating. Like you can get on a bike, you can walk. I mean, there's a ton of things you can to build a big aerobic base. Uh, and I think that becomes a huge marker for health. And I, I mean, it's why it's in all of our programs. And uh, I'll be the first to tell you, I thought it was fucking bullshit. Uh, I thought that the you know zone two aerobic based stuff was complete fucking nonsense. And I fought against it for years. And it wasn't until we did 22 Jack street where I actually started to do it because I was using the aerobic stuff to try to get into, into, uh, um, into, uh, into a caloric deficit for, for Jack street. And uh, all of a sudden I'm in there like PRing lifts and PRing everything. And I'm like, Oh fuck man, maybe there is a, maybe there's a pot of gold at the end of building some aerobic base. Um, you know, the problem is people go too far. They don't do a good job. Like, you know, how many days a week do you really need to do it? 
mean, if you give you, you know, three, four, five days a week, and it doesn't have to be fucking soul crushing, um, but I definitely think it pays dividend. But then when you when you transition this into something like sprinting, um, I really believe sprinting is the ultimate form of, uh, you know, display of strength and athleticism and all the other components we're searching for. I mean, so much so, I remember Cal Dietz saying that if somebody sends him a video of them sprinting anywhere from 10 to 20 yards, uh, you know, they're one day going to have an AI that will allow you to be able to look at your training program and find deficiencies because it's so indicative of athletes, whether it be, you know, strength, flexibility, trunk stability, where you maintain injury imbalances. It's really the, uh, I think it's the, it's the, you know, like the, the pivotal point between, you know, individuals like those can sprint and those that can't. And I think, uh, if you want to be good at sprinting, you have to do it, but you have to do the prep work to get yourself ready to do it well. Mm -hmm. So, all right. A lot of tips and tools there for you, Chris Luke and anyone else that's listening. If you want to find out more, head to powerathletehq.com slash speed kills for that speed kills program. Or if you want to go to powerathletehq.com slash training, you can look at field strong, which I recommend. That's what Chris jumps on. Get on mm -hmm. field strong, start doing all the plyo and the prep work and get ready to sprint. Uh, if you want to do something like hammer a little bit longer, um, I think if you're going to do jackster, you're going to have to cut a little bit of the volume and bolt on something like speed kills. And uh, it's funny. Uh, everybody wants a program that does everything. And I think the reason, instead of trying to give them one program that does everything, you figure out the archetype and then you push the people into what they, into what they need and what they want. I just thought of another option. What's that? Speed kills and Johnny bot. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, you can't, I mean, basically everybody should have Johnny bot. I, I, I love, love it. it. I, I love it too. Yeah. I hit it 15 minutes before practice. So I go in just looked at all jacked and in command. Hmm for the athletes. That's why they're all nervous about you, huh? That's why these parents are, uh, are trying to fight to get rid of you because you're in too good a shape. That's it. You're making them look bad. That's 100% <laughs> it. I like it. Well, all right. There you have it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Power Athlete. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!